What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I am working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend Mike Higgins, incredible father, husband, business owner, and leader. We mine some serious gold in this conversation. We talk about triggers and how a lot of the triggers you and I have as fathers come from our insecurity. So when we're getting upset with our kids, what is it that's triggering us and why? We talk about excellence and what does it look like for us and our kids to pursue excellence. And then we talk about how fathers must forge the path, teaching our kiddos through going first. Enjoy meeting my friend, Mike. Mike Higgins, welcome to the podcast. It's good to see your face. How are you today? It's better to see your face, sir. Thanks for having me here. Oh, dude, we're going to have a good time. I appreciate you taking time on this beautiful Friday to connect and talk about one of the most important things we will do in our lives, and that is be a father. So that people know who I'm talking to, I'm just going to ask you a couple rando questions right now. One of them is how old do you find yourself today? You know, it's interesting you ask how old I find myself today. I find myself 35 today, but my wife has just turned 33 today so it's her birthday today. oh it's her birthday so we are doing podcast on her birthday i told her she has to wait because i had to talk to you oh my gosh hopefully she's uh <laughs> laying in bed drinking champagne uh Correct. watching some i don't know my wife would be watching she is right now probably while she's in the house doing stuff i'm, I'm a little concerned so it's usually like these um murder shows where the husband dies and i'm like she's got all the all the notes on like how to make it where it looks like an accident. They say women like that's their guilty pleasure is those murder mysteries. And uh, it is kind of scary to think about, isn't it? Why is the husband always got to die? <laughs> oh my gosh. Probably because he was a douche. Um, <laughs> all right. So 35 years old. And then how many years you guys been married? We've been married tw- uh, 11 years. Sorry. 11 years this okay. year. Yep. You're working on your 12th year. Got it. And then how many kiddos do you have? We have four, three boys and a daughter. So our oldest is 15 and then nine, seven. And our little baby girl is four. Dang, four to 15. Dude. It's a big gap. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's a great, it's a great gap, but you're like coming out of a baby stage for sure. And then you're entering into like the real teenage years. Mm. Right. So I have a 17 year old and now it's like the writing's on the wall. I'm going to college. I'm moving out. She's a junior. And then we have our 14 year old. And, uh, yeah. How, how do you find, so let me ask you this. Uh, so your oldest 15 year old is a girl or boy boy. Okay. Boy, you connect well with him. Yeah. I mean, we connect, he's him and I have had an interesting relationship. It kind of ebbs and flows quite a bit, you know, but yeah, we we're connecting more. I'm a sports guy. He's becoming a sports guy in his mm. older age. Mm. So we connect more on that. Um, but yeah, definitely. It's, it's seemingly easier to connect with the boys than it is the girls just from probably experience. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I have four girls and a boy 
some of my girls is really easy to connect with. And some of them, I definitely have to have to try for it. Um, okay. And then where does your family live? Where do you guys, where do you guys, we live in the reside? great state of Wisconsin where it's probably just as warm as it is in Hawaii right now today. It's 82. So yeah, it actually, it's, it's 80 here right now. Only today. Is it the same weather? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, my grandparents were in Wisconsin. My dad grew up in Wisconsin. So we'd go there every couple of years to Racine. Oof, oof. And then I'm my, a little north of that. Okay. And then my dad would send us or every year order like super bomb sausage from their Christmas. So that's what we always get around Christmas time is like this super good sausage. Nice. German town. Awesome. So good. All right, Mike, what do you do for a living to provide for the family? Yeah. So I'm in the real estate world. I have uh, two real estate companies, small single family home renovation company. So we go direct to seller and basically fix and flip houses. And then also we have an arm that sells real estate houses, kind of like as a realtor. So we have a small team of realtors in here as, as well. So that's that's the primary breadwinner. And my wife stays home. We homeschool the kids. All so four of them, when huh? I, when I say we, I mean my wife. Yeah. And uh, so she's, yeah, she's got the triple full-time job of homeschooling keeping the house in order, cooking, all of the good stuff. The toughest job is hers for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, that's such a blessing that you have been able to design the life and that that's something that's uh, a passion for her um, to do. So you and I connected at Front Row Dads, just shout out to Front Row Dads, incredible group of men, business, you know, uh, businessmen who are putting family first. Um, what drew you to invest in yourself in that way. So when you started to invest in yourself around the idea of like fatherhood matters, family first, uh, what brought you to that conclusion when? Yeah, that's a good question. So it was, it was, uh, around December of 2018 when, because I joined front row dads in January of 2019. So, um, it was weird just the way I was listening to a podcast of Hal Elrod and John Vroman had been on that podcast because Hal was running, they were doing this best year ever blueprint. And John and his front row foundation were like a, they would um they were part of the they were part of the best year ever. And they were talking about the money that they raised for the front row foundation. And I wish I could tell you exactly what was going on in life that made me just desire this community. But it was just one of those things where it was a culmination of listening to the right thing at the right time and knowing that in that season of life, prior to the fix and flip business investing focused, I was a realtor. I was just showing tons of houses. I was always gone. And I really had this hole in my heart. And I'm like, I need this community. And hearing hearing John speak and then finding that podcast, which led me to much like your podcast. It was stories of dads who were telling the story of how they are on a path to be a better dad. And I was just like, this is so needed, you know? Um, so finding that podcast led me to the community, which arguably is one of the best fatherhood decisions that I've made. Cause I've, I've had some incredible relationships come from that community. And that's ultimately even what led us here today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the when you can surround yourself with with men who are like minded, and I would even say have more heart than you, right? Like when I rolled up to the front row dad group the first time, I'm feeling pretty awesome as a dad. 
and then very quickly you go, there's a lot more dudes out there who are highly investing in themselves and their families in a really intentional way. And at first it was intimidating, bro. You know, like I, I felt a little bit um, insecure, less than not as important or whatever, you know, whatever BS goes to our head. But through it, it's the relationships. It's the realization that I don't need a guru in my life. I don't need to be a guru in somebody's life. What I need is other like-minded men who I surround myself with and we grow together. Yeah. I mean, and there's something always so powerful, whether it's whether it's a Bible study that you do at church or a group of dads getting better, getting around a table trying to be better dads. There's just something powerful about a uh, a room full of men coming together and pouring into each other that, man, it's just, there's nothing like it. I mean, you and I have experienced some great, mm. awesome events through front row dads mm -hmm. in person. And I'll tell you what, like there's some of the most impactful events that I've ever been a part of in my entire life. And I got to share them with it. The reason they started was because there was other men that are on this journey of trying to be a better husband and a better father. Yeah. Yeah. And I just encourage people listening. Like it's one thing to listen to a podcast and like, sure, thank you for listening to this or read a book or whatever. Um, and I know that it can seem like a big leap to go spend money to go be in a group, but there's a lot of good groups out there. Front Row Dads, Rise of Kings, Order of Man. I mean, there's a list of them. There's there's things. Go find a tribe. I think it's important. Um, so it, with that same question in mind, like what brought you to that community? When did you embrace fatherhood? So you've been a dad for 15 years now. Mm. So from the moment that you heard, Mike, you're going to be a dad, which took me like four days to be okay with when I found out at 22, mm -hmm. uh, I was married. So it was like, it's all good, but I wasn't expecting it. So from the moment you heard the words to the moment you held your first kid to the moment where it clicked, when did you realize this matters? I knew that it mattered right away. And like the relationship with my oldest son, who was my first child, right? That changed everything um, in a way that fatherhood can never, like you can never really explain to somebody who isn't a parent. You can't really explain that. But a full embrace of it. That's interesting because the acceptance of that versus the full embrace. Hmm. I've grown up um, as an only child. So if anybody that's listening to this is an only child, you can understand that when you're an only child, life revolves around you, end of like period, hard stop. Because there was like, I, I was spoiled as a kid. I was one of only two grandchildren as well. Mm. So it was a small family. So grandpa and grandma spoiled, mom and dad spoiled. Mike always kind of got what he wanted whenever he wanted, which was great as a kid. It felt awesome. Yeah. Right. But it created, I think more, it gave me more pride than maybe I would have naturally had as a, as a young man. And then it led to more selfishness than I probably would have had as a young man. So there's still even early fatherhood, a part of me that was very selfish for myself, still wanting to go and do the things go and which is, this isn't bad, but it's like, I used to race stock cars, right? So it's like, I used to, I wanted to race and racing That's costs cool. a lot of money. But then when you have kids, kids also cost a lot of money and you're trying to balance like, why should I have to give up racing just to, you know, stay at home and blah, you know, pay for groceries and diapers and all this. So <laughs> yeah. the full embrace, I don't think honestly, probably really happened. Um, 
until I, I would even be so bold as to say until I joined Front Row Dads and wow. realizing like the effort that I have to put in towards being a father and put that effort in first. And and just like I can still sit here on this podcast and sound like I still to this day always like I'm such a great person because I'm in Front Row Dads and I'm on right, this podcast right, right. with you and I'm pursuing fatherhood first. Like I screw up every day, every single day. Like, yes, it's a focus, but I can guarantee you when we hang up on this podcast and we're done here, I'll screw up tonight. I'll, I'll yell at my kids. Right. I'll fly, fly off the handle at some point. But um, yeah, so my, my experience was a little bit unique in that being an only child, I think, led me to have more selfish tendencies that I maybe wasn't ready for um, becoming a father and even a husband, you know, needing to kind of let that go and get in this mindset of putting my spouse, my kids first before me, and then being the leader to show them and navigate the way and, and realize it's not just all about Mike. Was there a moment? That was a lot. No, no, it's good. So I just want to recap because there's some really good nuggets here. So was there a moment where there was this shift? So when we're talking 2018, you're listening to a podcast. So you're obviously doing some personal development. You hear these guys and maybe they're guys you look up to and they're talking about how fatherhood is important. And so, you know, you think stock car racer, you think, I mean, anything that's like an individual sport is kind of like an about me sport. Right. Yeah. But, but I love what you said here. So if we could point this out, you, when I asked you the question, you made a distinction between embrace and acceptance. So like as a dad, are you accepting that you're a dad, which I wrote the word selfish next to acceptance because, okay, all right, I accept that I'm a dad and I'm going to go through the motions, but it still allows me like a selfish mindset. Like I feel like I'm, I'm always sacrificing for the family and isn't this family so lucky to have me, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Whereas embrace is more like, I'm lucky to have them and this fulfills me and this is a selfless opportunity to love them. So that's what I hear you making the distinction and the shift from acceptance to this is a, you know, this is part of my life to like embrace. This is an incredible part of my life, but also acknowledging like, we're still going to suck at times, right? Like, uh, like I sucked this week for my kids multiple times. I'm sure. Um, I'm not sure. I know for a fact. <laughs> um, so with that, can you think of like, was there something that happened or was it maybe this, you were looking up to Hal and John or something like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, what comes to mind immediately for me is just the the knowing that the other way should, can and should exist mm. because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes the way that you're taught things or, or maybe not even taught, like, cause I'm not trying to say that my dad taught me to be a selfish father and just accept the or whatever. Right, He's, right, right. But the the self-perception of like how I just think this should be and without having another way modeled, mm. it's you can't really pick up on something until another way is maybe modeled to you and you know. So I think that was probably the differentiator is seeing that number one, this for, for, for me is the community that we're in, that this other community existed and that there's other men out there who are embracing this fatherhood role and actively trying to be better because think about that like trying to be a better dad like striving to to be like for me i'm just like oh i'm a dad like you're not better or you're not worse you're just the dad you you are a dad so i don't know i think for me it was realizing that there was a group of men out there and then seeing it modeled 
And then that yeah. really shifted and made it click for me. And I'm a slow learner, man. So like if you rewind the clock four years ago, I'm mean, just turned 30 at that point. So I'm a slow, I'm a slow learner. Um, but I think that that would probably be the culmination of everything coming together. Dude, love it. So, you know, I don't think enough of us men pause. Okay. And if you're listening to this, you're already clearly investing in yourself. So you are pausing. So I think the question that I'm hearing that is is helpful is if something's not working for you, like, is this way of life serving me? Whether that's father, marriage, money, business, fitness, health, whatever, like, is there a bucket of your life that's not serving you anymore? And then the statement that Mike made, there is another way, right? So pretty much with everything, there's another way to do it. And that's the thing that's blown my mind is when I get around a group of men and I'm like, I never thought about taking my family to do X, or I never thought about that I could do Y with my son. You know what I mean? You, your mind starts to open up. There's another way, but it's not just like flipping through Instagram and going, oh, it must be nice to be able to do X, Y, or Z, which I freaking hate that. So the next thing you said is go find a model, go find a model and ask them, right? So there's another way and then go find a model to, to guide you. Yeah. And sometimes I just wrote down too, you might not know it's not serving you until mm. you realize it's not serving you. Yeah. And if you're not pausing as a man regularly to kind of like self-reflect and gauge, how is my fitness? Like, how do I feel about myself when I look in the mirror? How do I feel about my marriage? And I think what we tend to do is we compare it to like the dude next door who's a real douche as a as a husband and father. So it's pretty easy to feel like I'm I'm crushing it. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll often tell my wife that you're lucky to have me like jokingly. Right. But then there's always a little bit of truth in there. <laughs> you know, There's always like this little bit of like, yeah, you are lucky that I do X, Y, Z or whatever. And that's just those are like little moments where I'm trying to fill my selfish ego up. Right. And uh, and it shouldn't be the comparison to the guy next door. The super douche is. <laughs> yeah. You got to find the dude who's crushing it, like actually and go like, you know, this guy. I want to be like this guy. Yeah. Um, okay. What have you learned about yourself as a dad? So we've already talked about how fatherhood uncovered selfishness um, or maybe like a more realization around it, but anything else come to mind when you think about being a dad that you learned about you or had to overcome um, through the resistance of, you know, kids biting at your heels the last 15 years. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that really stands out that I think of immediately that I jumped to and we didn't go over any of this stuff, but what, I've learned about myself it is the things that trigger me most mm. as a father and then cause me to lash out to my kids are the things that I'm most insecure about myself about. So what does that look like for me? I'll, I'll tell you. So with my 15 year old, for example, I get super triggered when it's 830 at night and he's roaming through the refrigerator looking for something to eat right before he goes to bed. Because like, Gavin, this isn't healthy for you. You're looking for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're eating a spoonful of jelly. You're eating whatever, you know, you're eating the, a, a bowl of cereal. It really angers me. Why? Mm. Well, because mm. when I was growing up, I was a really fat kid and that's exactly what I did. And I still struggle with that to this day where I will sit in front of the refrigerator myself. But when he does it, 
I get angry at him and I feel, I think it's just an insecurity of myself projected through him. Does that make sense? Dude, a hundred percent. It makes sense. I mean, if I were to go through, this would probably be a really healthy habit for me to go through a day at the end of the day, what are the things that triggered me today? And then, dude, I think I'm going to do this. Okay. Let's break this down. So I'm going to say what triggered me, what triggered me today. And then next to it, is this, is this an insecurity? Is this a truth? Like, is it because an insecurity would be more like Ned or Mike's perception of something? Like I'm projecting mm. this perception of how things should be onto yep. my kid versus you back talk to your mom, right? Which is a guarantee, like that should trigger me because th- I'm trying to teach them respect, not uh whatever, whatever it is, you're rummaging through this, or you care, like my kids care about clothes right now, and I didn't have friends until sixth grade when a family who had more money than us took me birthday shopping at Pacific Sunwear and bought me cool shirts for school. Literally, bro, it changed my life. Mm -hmm. I I had friends that new school year. And so I have this insecurity where like, my don't buy me a shirt from Target. I know this is ludicrous. Like if my wife buys me a shirt from Target, I won't wear it and I'll be pissed. But now I'm projecting this on my kids where I don't like that they only want name brand stuff. Because it's my own issue, you know? Um, So no, 100% resonate. I think that would be a great workshop to do is like what triggers you and then pay attention because probably half the stuff I'm getting pissed off at my kids about doesn't need to be. Right. At least that serves true for me. And that's that's what I've noticed is the biggest thing. And of course, when you ask me what I've learned (laughs) about fatherhood and I immediately go to the negative, right? The the negative like that triggers me, but that's what stands out the most. Yeah, but I think the reality is, is like we we all want to be challenged and we all want to grow. And that only comes from like resistance. So I think if you were to just come on and say, oh, yeah, what I've learned about myself is I'm like, I'm so patient. I'm just like so so good. Like it's ridiculous. Or I'm so funny. Like I didn't realize how funny I was. So on the drive, I'm taking my 14 year old today to, we went out to coffee and breakfast and then I took her to school and I have a picture of the two of us. And I, and she's like, don't, she told me not to post it on Instagram. So whatever I won't, but we have this moment where she tells me, you, you know, we wouldn't be friends in high school. Like (laughs) we don't roll in the same crowds. And it was just this sad, hilarious moment of my kid telling me, yeah, I wouldn't be your friend in high school. It's so mean, bro. So Well, you wouldn't have hung out with me. Like you wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't like to live with me because I buy all my clothes from Costco. So there's no, I got no name brand, anything. Costco has Hurley. That's true. Actually, and and Banana Republic uh, pants that I got, but they're just way cheaper. (laughs) Oh, it's a, it's sick. What's funny is if you gave me a, a t-shirt that was a name brand, I would wear it until it fell apart, bro. Uh, so stupid. Okay. The role of the father. How would you describe the role of the father? Hmm. So I, I came up with this acronym for my middle school basketball team, the lead acronym acronym. So teaching leadership and how to to teach young kids to lead. So the L is for love. The E was elevate. We elevate our teammates. The A was appreciate. We we always we appreciate our teammates and their hard work. And the D 
was demonstrate. And my explanation Mm. for demonstrate was that leaders always go first, whether Mm. it's a drill, whether it's, it's something, something that in the unknown, there's, there's the leader is the one who goes first. They, they forge the path. So I'm tying this to the family is I think that that's our job as a father is to go first and forge the path. Um, and then make, I envision like, you know, like going through the Amazon, right. And you're kind of like going through all this big brush and stuff. And you're always, like, you're just looking to make sure that it's safe on the other side. And I think that that's our role is to always be demonstrating and leading. And then also you're, you're playing being the guide. Cause there are going to be certain things that your kids do at different ages, you know, cause like that demonstrate piece works great, but now when they're teenagers, I'm sure you could attest to this. There's probably certain things where you don't have the opportunity to demonstrate first because they're just going to go do their own thing. But also through that demonstration might not mean that we exactly do that thing and show them how to do that thing, but we've taught them in such a way that they can make a decision similar to the one that we would probably make if we were to go first. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, totally. I think, um, like an like an example of what's coming to my mind is who knows if the actions will all be the same but when we do things in life they're either good for us and they work out and they create life or they were a bad idea so it's like how am i responding to either of these and so i think as dads if we can be uh vulnerable and open to our kids when appropriate then it, it shows them how it demonstrates how to respond to something that's happening So like one of my daughters, I was driving, picked her up from sports last night and we're driving. And I said, you know what? I always ask you a thousand questions. How about you just sit there and, and, and I'll just tell you all about my day. And I told, and she was like, that's great. Cause then she didn't just had, and I told her after, you know what? You're such a good listener. And she really is like, she is the best listener in our family probably. And, um, and I, even at the end of it, I shared a frustration I had from the day and just kind of like talked through it. And she's 14 you know, but I was able to be vulnerable with her. And so the hope is that based on what you're saying is when she then has something that she's able to express herself and work it through with somebody versus just holding it all in. Mm, That's great. So that demonstration, I love, I love that word. Like what are we demonstrating to our children? Um, And I love the forge, the path and leaders always go first. And that's huge for dads. Like, are we are we asking our kids to do things that we're not willing to do ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of shows up too in work, right? Like when you hire somebody and you're wanting them to do something that you don't maybe enjoy doing, I'm thinking of like cold calling or something, right? But you can't really teach somebody how to do something that you haven't done first. Uh, Yeah. Even conceptually, you know, and then take that as a, as your child, which is way more important than somebody that you hire at work. Um, and they know there's an intuitive nature. Like they know if dad's just selling me some BS, right? For for sure. Well, dude, check this out. So the chore charts have been a crap show lately, just like not doing it. So I made new chore chart. <clears throat> I put it in the hallway by their bathroom and I'm on there too, but this is awesome. So I added myself like to clean my room up before bed, to do our nightly journal. And last night I was in the hallway checking off mine and a kid walked by. They're like, you're on there too. And I said, yep. Checking off my nightly journal. 
And so I was starting to think through like, they're not doing this. And so even last night, I was so tired. I want to go to bed and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to clean up my closet just so I could go check it off. So those little punks can see that I did it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's also, dude, it's also giving me a little bit more grace for them. Cause I've been hard on them. Like, why'd you leave without cleaning up the backyard is an example. And now I realize sometimes I actually just forget, even though there's a checklist. Um, mm. so it's given me a little bit more grace for them. Um, okay. My friend, uh, you have a podcast called unlock your excellence. Is that correct? Yes, sir. What does excellence mean to you? So when I, you know, we come from talking about the role of the father, talk about leadership. We talk about leaders go first. Now this word excellence, what does excellence mean to you and the Higgins family? Yeah. So excellence is not a destination. It's a pursuit Mm. and it's a constant pursuit of a destination that you'll never reach. So it's the constant pursuit of being better, making yourself better, but knowing that you're never going to get to where you see that ideal in your mind, because that ideal is going to continually change, right? Equate it to fitness. You and I have been talking about that a lot. You know, there's always going to be this body that you want to get to, but then when you get to that body, like your ideal has already continued to move down the road and you're like, I want the other body. Yep. And it's a pursuit of the continual excellence. And sometimes it's more it it's more of an internal game than the achievement on the back end of it, right? It's just this constant, consistent, you know, we have a core value, grow or die. And it's this constant Ooh, movement yes. towards growth versus stagnation. And I, you know, it's just to me, excellence is something that's never fully achieved. It's just always pursued. So with that, and with that, how do you not just live in the future? So I love the idea of like, yeah, let's pursue. But sometimes I can find mm. myself just thinking about tomorrow, dude. Like I don't stop and celebrate the goals I did last year because I'm already thinking I want something different, bigger, better, whatever. How do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I have thoughts that I don't do that well at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me be very clear about anything that comes out next is is uh, uh, is, hopes is and me dreams. coaching is me coaching myself in yeah, the moment. Yeah. Okay, but I think what it comes down is to contentment and contentment in the moment. That's a weird it, word. Yeah, okay, it yes. is a weird word because I think so. When when I said that word, I think a lot of people think like, oh no, contentment. That means you're lazy and you're just kind of giving up and you're just it is what it is and you're here and this is, but being content like you can be content while at the same time continuing continually striving towards excellence but the contentment piece means you have to be happy i mean content right with where you're at because if you're not you'll never find joy in anything uh, and I struggle with that, man. Yeah. Truthfully, I truthfully struggle with that a lot. The thing that I initially jumped to right away is the book that Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan wrote called The Gap in the Gain. So that book has been powerful for me this year, dude. That's good. Yeah. What for you unlocked some of that for you to ha- the joy? Like, tell me how that's helped unlock joy for you. Dude, I'm t- I suck at it. I don't, I don't, 
I don't yeah, like, I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm literally, I'm fleshing this out with you right now, what I need to be doing moving forward from this podcast, because I live in the world of where, where I don't celebrate my wins enough. And yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was thinking about that two days ago, I was driving and I was thinking it would be cool if there was just an app where whenever I had a win, I could just type it in real quick. I mean, I could do it on Google Sheets, but type it in so that when I'm being a little baby, I could just open it up and I could slide through and be like, you had breakfast with your daughter this morning. You mm-hmm. picked her up and had a conversation with a different daughter last night and start to go, oh my gosh, do you have all these wins? Um, I think that would be helpful. But then yeah, and the win doesn't have to, to do. be, the win doesn't have to be a, like you... <laughs> cashed a hundred thousand dollar check today or you like had this big you know for in the real estate world like you got a 900 unit apartment complex under like that like the wins can be small is the opportunity Mm. to have breakfast with my daughter this morning yeah that's a win i think it's reminding ourselves what the wins are and not letting somebody else define them because when you say cash a hundred thousand dollar check i'm like dang dude that sounds great when you talk about having breakfast with your daughter, which sometimes is a little bit more of a fight to like make happen and a little bit more, it's a little just difficult, you know what I mean? Um, but those are the wins and that's what the constant reminder. Um, okay. So excellence is a pursuit. It's not perfection. It is a constant moving towards, towards an ideal that continues to grow because I'm growing. So I'm starting to have an open mind of what's possible and then still choosing joy today. Yeah. Dude, let's let's try to live that way. That'd be killer. Um, right. That's what, and just to be clear to everybody <laughs> listening that thinks that I have that figured out, it is not true at all. You know, it's some it's a work in progress every single day. Yeah, bro. And you know what? As you say it and, and as you talk about it not be it's I almost don't think that it's ever supposed to feel like I've got it figured out. It's just, I I think I'm realizing that now there is zero Mm. destination. It is all about the tension. Um, Especially, I think, especially for you and I, who would call ourselves like men of God is if I've got it figured out, then I literally don't need any other source to provide me with anything. So Mm. when I'm living in this tension, the struggle of, you know, yesterday morning I was on fire and life is amazing. And last night I was like, it re- it requires me to not just be about me, you know? Yeah. And the moment, I guess you, you're absolutely right. The moment you find the person that says that they do, that's, that's the time to turn around and run. Yeah. And that's not... the BS meter for sure. Huh? Right. hundred percent. Okay, bro. I remember us talking about this when we were together one time. Uh, I believe we were having coffee or walking or something and you shared your company core values. Is that right? I did. Dude, okay. And I remember them and you just brought it up. You said, hey, um, our company values is uh, one of them is grow or die. Is that what you just said? It is. Yeah. Okay. Dude, I just remember hearing you say, so I think core values can sometimes slow us down. Um, but I also think that they can be a real driver of of life. Okay. Check this out. Sorry. we just I just took my twins who are homeschooled to watch air. Right. And then we went in the Nike movie and then we went and did an exercise. We wrote down all 10 Nike principles. And then what did each one mean to us? Mm. So they can be a driver. Um, They can be. Yeah, it was such a fun exercise. We just sat around the kitchen table and did that yesterday. Um, Tell me your core values um, and we'll go through them. We won't spend a bunch of time, but I just remember them being so powerful. And dads, as you hear this, don't think about this as a company company. 
or a church or a nonprofit, think about this as what if I were to implement something like this into my home? Yeah. Some values, some principles, some guidelines, whatever. So, dude, hit me. Yeah. So we had four core values that we identified as a company. And the first one was first things first. Mm. So for us, first things first means that we believe that our faith is the corner th- cornerstone of all things. And then in addition to the first things first, it's family first. Um, so family men with businesses is kind of like um, the the tagline there, that which we stole from Front Row Dads, of course. And first things first, un- under that same category is protecting the temple. Our health mm. matters, a strong body, mind, body, soul. Mm. Yes. So that's uh bro that's the first one the the second one is wow everyone so under the wow everyone is we we're striving to create a world-class experience for not only the our clients but our our business partners and our team members um and the third one be all in so it's just it just all in but uniquely committed to the common good of the company so we are a company that we're we don't want you to wait for the green light the strongest mm. team members will see problems before they happen and solve them before they even come up. No need to wait. And then the last one I mentioned before was grow or die. So we find innovation through uh, encouragement of creativity to positively impact the team. Um, you'll never out. You'll never out earn your personal growth. And then mm. uh, always, always bringing a genuine curiosity to the table uh, in everything that you do, which kind of showed up for me when I was this, that one's pretty important to me because, and it's kind of le- what led me to want to be a podcaster, you know, in air quotes, podcaster, because it doesn't make me any money. It costs me money. <laughs> but, um, when I was, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I, I've always had this genuine curiosity, but when I was in eighth grade, I had this moment when I was managing the varsity basketball team and I was sitting on the bench during a practice talking to one of the guys and I kept asking him questions about different things that was going on with practice. And he looked at me and he's like, why is everything 21 questions with you? Why do you ask so many questions? He's like, just stop asking questions. And at that moment I was like, man, I, I stopped, I did stop asking questions. And it was a mm-hmm. moment for me that was like, is this, is there something wrong with me about like asking questions and being so curious about different things and wanting to be, you know, better at that age that I stopped asking questions for a, lo- a while. But I think that those curiosity questions, when people come to to a situation with a curious mind, it literally just opens the door for all things possible. Dude, that's really good. I think for dads to hear that right now, curiosity, genuine curiosity, there's so many things we could dig into with this. Like one, be curious and go learn. Two, be curious about your spouse. Like, don't stop learning about your spouse. Be curious about your kids. And and like we talked about the whole demonstrate and leaders go first. Like, if you could just be curious about your family and teach your family, like you're learning new things and you're sharing those with your family and you're curious about them. At the end of the day, like this word has really been strong for me lately is connected. Do I feel connected to God? Do I feel connected to myself? Do I feel connected to my wife, to my kids? And the only way we can really be connected is if we are curious, like we're, we're spending time, we're engaging with, with those that matter most to it's us. True. So that word curiosity connected, dude, really, um, 
Beautiful. Oh, bro. Okay. This podcast is fatherhood field notes. You're already doing it, opening up your life, your field notes for us. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And, and you've heard it, you know, but as a man, what's something that you are currently rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that? Like, I'm going to tear this wall down and I'm going to create this in its space. Yeah. I think the one thing that our family is consistently rebelling, rebelling against consistently is my air quotes of like the status quo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with almost everything that we're doing. So I mentioned, you know, I touched on it just a little bit before, but homeschooling. So rebelling against this, the education system, right? The way that we eat and the, how we take care of our health, rebelling against the mm-hmm. What's an example system. There? Um <laughs> I mean, you, you won't really see any pharmaceuticals in our, in our house. Like we, it's just, we don't believe in supplements on the front end, right? My wife's on a ton of supplements and it's mm-hmm. interesting because she's going through some different hormonal things, right? But she's not going to take a pill to, as the band aid. she's going to try to get to the root source mm-hmm. of the problem on the front end. So I think a lot of the things like we, I very, it's interesting. Cause like, I was always a guy that wanted, I, and I struggle with it still of like wanting to fit in always wanting to be mm. liked and things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. to go with the flow, so to speak, is natural for me to want to do. But the way that we've set things up is to rebel against, um, in, in, your, in, in the words of this podcast, to rebel against the status quo. Because I find that oftentimes what we're taught or what we're shown, um, the absolute opposite is probably the way that's going to actually be the best for us. Right. Even with a look at like rebelling against the status quo of being an entrepreneur versus being an employee, not that being an employee is a bad, but uh, the investment vehicle, investing in real estate instead of investing in the stock market, just like every single aspect has been against the status quo. Mm. And what I hope to create with that is to be the link in the chain that completely that that's the the change for the rest of my family tree. Mm. Mm. So that's I mean. I know going into the legacy conversation, like that's, that's why that's what it is. Cause if you're going to continue to do the same thing that everybody's taught, that everybody's doing, that everybody's supposed to do, you're going to continue to get the same things from generation to generation to generation, but it's going to take some person in that time to completely flip the switch and pivot the family outlook and legacy towards a new destination. Dude, a new destination. And how, uh... I think we look so short-sighted, you know, like, it, and I'm not, again with you and being an employee is not bad, but man, I don't want to, I don't want to go start my own business. Cause it's like, probably have to sell my truck and then it's going to take like a year or two to kind of get this thing going. Are you serious, bro? You're thinking about life being hard for a year or two versus the next 500 years of your family line. Like you just said, I want to be the link in the chain that changes my family tree from X to Y. And I, I realize that I can be a linchpin in that change, uh, thinking well beyond my life here on this earth. Like, dude, that's, that's true fatherhood, right? You're talking about generations. You're not talking about the next 12 months. Correct. Yeah. It's a big, lofty, audacious goal, but it's the pursuit. It's not the destination, right? Yeah, man. And it, and it, it connects you to your family in a much different way. Um, 
connects them. Is there any other ways that you would say your family is rebelling against the status quo? So we've got some health, we've got schooling, anything else um, that maybe might seem more micro to you that might be kind of macro to somebody else? Hmm. I, I wish I had a better answer. No, this would probably be a dead part of the podcast. Give me an example or two that you might think yeah. of. Yeah. So how you have breakfast, how you have dinner, what you do before bed, what Sunday morning looks like, Saturday morning, what Thanksgiving looks like, how you honor Christmas or Easter. I mean, um, to how you walk in the house from work. I mean, I don't know. There's so many things that I think we start to do as fathers and husbands when we're intentional that they just become a part of our life that we don't um we wouldn't really acknowledge, right? Or or maybe compared to Justin Donald or whatever you would say, right? It doesn't feel, I see his book on your shelf. So I see his book, I'm buying right, some time right. to let you think. Uh, I see his book and my 13 year old is reading it right now, my daughter. And I'm like, bro, if somebody would have put that in my hands when I'm 13 and yeah. just started making me read this stuff versus going to school like and then my other daughter who goes to a christian school which is great it's what's right for her she's my 17 year old she's like yeah yesterday we and we pay like out the butt for this right and uh she's like yeah we we ran out of or we i finished all my tests early so me and so and so watched x like this movie at school like on net on netflix on my laptop which i'm like okay cool whatever my kid who's at home right now who I didn't pay is reading the lifestyle investor by Justin Donald, right? Uh, it's different. It's just different. No, all right. I love it. I'm 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 rebelling against going to the bank as much as Justin goes to the <laughs> bank. That's one thing. I think where what I think about most in the in like rebelling, like as it pertains to our homeschool, because it's not just homeschool, mm. but there's certain there's a lot of different nuances in there because rebelling against the for, for me, you know, people say, well, your kids aren't going to be as socialized as other kids, right? Well, no, it's, it's actually the fact that we are going to choose the social, like how our kids socialize and who they socialize with right. and not just let anybody into their world. Right? right. So there's a lot of different nuances that I think through the, through the macro of the homeschool that we do different and that are kind of important to us. And the fact that, you know, every like son, Sunday morning, you know, we we drive 40 minutes to go to our church. We mm. we and like that doesn't seem like a lot, but we the church that we went to was six you used to go to is six minutes away from us. But we drive 40 minutes because we're showing that our kids that our faith is important and our our church family is important to us and it should be an important piece of our of our life, right? So yeah. there's a lot of different aspects that um the homeschool and our church family, like it trickles down through other things. And I think you're right. Like there's probably a lot of things that I'm probably am overlooking that happen on a regular basis that, um, that we do just because we do it. And I might not think that there is that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, <clears throat> but, um, just those little things that you share, I think they matter. They're good. Um, all right. Before I ask my last question, is there anything coming to mind, any stories, anything we didn't touch on that you definitely are like, man, I wish we would have talked about this, or I wish I would have shared this. This would be powerful for dads. Yeah, there is one thing that I've been thinking about the whole time that we've been on this podcast, yes. actually, and how to share it. So, and it was something that I shared in our, our front row dads thread. And I, I 
can't say that I take credit for it. I heard Peter Atia say it on a podcast with Joe Rogan, but it hit me really hard was that being a dad is hard. Mm. And there's times during your day, during your week where you, you just want, like your kids will do something and you want to just scream at them or smash something. And that's pretty normal. Like first, number one is don't feel like you're broken because you feel like you want to just rip something apart or smash something or someone. I'll tell you that that's, and if you got to cut this out, I apologize. But for me, that's normal. But what he said, and I think that every dad that's listening to this right now can take away is he said, imagine yourself 80 years old Mm -hmm. and you got one opportunity to come back to this moment in time right now. And it's the only moment that you ever got with that kid was this moment right now. How would you view your time Mm -hmm. if you were 80 years old and you got to rewind for the, and you never got to come back here again? Would that change the way that you interacted in this moment with your child? And there's no question in my mind, it would be yes. So thinking through that lens, when things, even when things are good, when things are hard, I think can totally reframe and shift the way that you approach situations because it really is like that moment again will never happen for you. Yeah. It will never happen again in your life, but there's going to be a weird point in your life when you're old that you kind of wish you got to go back there to re-experience that. That was heavy for me. Dude, that's heavy. And if we could keep that in our mind, if we could keep that in our mind, because there's always going to be something jockeying to be at the, like I left what Ali says, like what's in focus for you right now. Yeah, And so if there's always going to be something project or something we're working on, especially as an entrepreneur or, or whatever, but if I could always just keep this ahead of that, like, yes, I have a project. Yes, I have business. Yes, I have to provide for the family. But right, there's this layer right in front of that of this is still the most important so that when my daughter texts me right now in the middle of our thing, I'm not like, gosh, dang it. What does she need? I'm like, oh, I can't wait to check in with her after this, um, which is just that, dude, that's tough. That's tough, but I want to be there. So thank you for sharing that. That's really good. Okay, bro. So coming back, last question, it's about legacy. You touched on it a little bit, but imagine 30 years from now, okay, your kids are now between the ages of 35 and 45. They're kind of like where you are in life. If you were to stand out in a cul-de-sac, peer into their homes, what is it that you would see being played out that would bring a tear to your eye, a smile to your face to go, Hmm. I did my job. I would see if I, if I'm in a cul-de-sac of four houses and they all live next to mm-hmm, each other, mm-hmm. number one, I think that's a win if they're all living <laughs> next door to each other, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would look through the window and I would see them with their families and I would see everybody smiling. Mm. I just think that, and you would just know that love was permeating through that entire house. Because that was what was displayed for them. And mm. as I'm saying this, I know that I'm not doing a good job of that I think all the probably, time. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably doing a better job than you realize. Uh, but it's good to be a little hard on ourselves, but also give ourselves grace. So, Mike, beautiful. So you said, I want to see a smile on their face with their families. We know that life is messy. Okay. So in that, you're talking about joy. The one thing that you and I are talking about striving for is like, we want to be with our families. We want to be smiling. We want to live in the mess. We're not expecting it to be perfect, but we want to choose joy every day that we possibly can with our families. Um, 
Mike, keep doing what you're doing. Dude, I love the pursuit of excellence. I love the way that you show up and 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 are humble. Like you are crushing it, bro. And you're humble in your approach to constantly lean back to like, I'm working on this, I'm working on this, I'm working on this, but you are killing it, dude. Your kids are so blessed to, to have been born in your home. Um, I look forward to staying connected with you and continuing to see the amazing things that you do. You inspire me. And uh, just thank you for loving your wife and loving your kids well. I appreciate it, man. Love you. And thank you so much for having me on. All right, bro. Until next time. What another incredible conversation. I really love the part about the triggers. Just thinking about that myself. And it might be because I have a 13 year old son, right? So ways for him and I to connect and not knock heads sometimes. But I think a great exercise is to write down what are the things that trigger you and which ones of those things are based on an insecurity you have that you're putting on your family. So something to think about, but great conversation with Mike. My friends, you are already making massive change to your legacy and family tree by investing in yourself as a dad. And as you know, many men stumble into fatherhood. They're stumbling now through fatherhood. We must invite them in. So I created Adventure of Fatherhood. It's a children's book. Uh, it's a it's a gift option to give to a new young dad to say, hey, bro, welcome to fatherhood. Here's a book uh, that you can read to your kiddos. And through that process, they will see who they are through the kids book. You can get it on Amazon. And if you do, please write a review. Or you can go to adventureoffatherhood.com, grab the book and or the gift box, have it sent directly to a friend who's having a kid or had a kid or a young dad. And it just say, bro, welcome to fatherhood. You have what it takes. And a lot of us men need that. We just need that word from another brother who has already gone through what we're going through to just welcome us in. And I'm going to tell you, you are the only one who's going to get them a gift. No one's going to say anything to them. No one's going to get them anything. This is a huge opportunity to make a significant impact in a milestone or acknowledge a milestone in a man's life. So adventurefatherhood.com, $20 book, you know, it, it, it has impact that's going to go well beyond uh, just the, the handing off of the gift. So check that out. All right. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.